Give me something random. Does anything random right now? Um, puppies. What? <laughs> no, not loving. Like, okay, puppies. So, how, how many puppies have you ever had? At once? <laughs> no, not like giving or birth to. Life. I mean, no, I know. Well, um, three. You've had three puppies. Mm-hmm. Like they were in the puppy stage. I've had two that were in the puppy stage and one that was like about a year when we mm. got it. So my neighbor, they just adopted an adult adult dog. Mm. Yeah. And just went to the bathroom all over their carpet. Oh. Yeah. Three, four weeks in. But what it was is they were told by the agency, this dog drinks a lot of water uh, and we'll just keep drinking and there's water out. So you actually have to moderate the water. Oh, they yeah. left water out. They forgot. And they're watching a movie and all of a sudden he leaps up. He's like, Ooh! Oh. So I'm like, what'd you do? He's like, let's clean it up. Yeah, it's not his. That's all you can do. He's he, a puppy, and he pet the dog. He said, "Yeah." He like, I'm like, I don't think you're supposed to reward yeah. them after they pee on your carpet. Like, I'm like, I don't punish it. I get it. You do not hit your dog. You don't punish it. But to start patting and say, "Good dog," as he's peeing on your carpet. Oh god. Yeah. We trained our dogs, all of them, to ring um, a bell when they have to go out. No so we way. we swear to God, we hang a little jingle bell like on a string, on, and it's on our door handle. And it, we train them. It only took about a week, and they just they hit the bell when they have to go out, and it's great. Really? Yeah. Because I mean, that's you, true today. Like we, go, yeah, huh? Yeah, mm. it only takes about a week. Because I mean, as you start to ta- taking them, <laughs> well, at least you in my pets? experience, <laughs> I do. What do you have? A dog and two cats. Okay. Yeah. And does your dog like pee on the carpet? Like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> no, I just have yourself. never had very good luck training dogs. I had, I mean, I had two dogs too with my marriage. So, well, it takes consistency though puppies. too. Everybody in the household has exactly. to be on board. So, your dogs did they? Did you, your ex husband, split the dogs? Mm-mm. He did, left them. He left with oh. you. I left them with him. That must oh. be hard. Mm-hmm. That's not easy. Mm-mm. Well, well, on that sour, <laughs> on that sour note, note. <laughs> you are listening to the Prophet First podcast, episode 145. Oh, yeah, there it is. Bring us back, Mike. Here is the energy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the Prophet First podcast. I'm Christina Bolduck, the ringleader of Prophet First Professionals. You come up with some good terms. I'm Mike McCallops, yeah. the author of Prophet First and Surge. If you haven't got that book, and Surge. others do. Surge. And you are listening to the Profit First Podcast. This is a show where we teach you every single element and piece of profitability. You will be richer by the end of the show <laughs> if you listen closely. Yes, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, um, ProfitFirstPodcast.com, and pretty much any other podcast or, or uh, anywhere that you hear a podcast. Yeah. We're there. Pick us up there. Now, if you didn't notice, we're also joined in studio by the one and only Fireball. Hello, everyone. <laughs> My real that? name is Kelsey. Yeah. You don't like that nickname, do you? I do. No, I don't think you do. No, I do. Okay. All right. I know your real name <laughs> is Kelsey. You're going to tell her what she doesn't like. <laughs> no, I have a feeling. Like, you know, like some people embrace, like Hawaiian Lumberjack embraced oh, his does. last name. He does. Uh, so, what have you been up to? Um, I got my nails done. Like I have long nails oh, again, yeah. and it is so freaking hard to type. Like I'm yeah, we thinking noticed. about taking them off. <laughs> I know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, smartass. Nice. Nice. So, yeah, don't act I'm like you didn't notice too. I know. I was struggling. <laughs> I was but no, I don't really do much for myself anymore. So I was like, oh, yeah. I can sit there, get pampered, you know, once a month, and it's nice. you just gotta relaxing. do stuff for yourself. Yeah. yeah. What have you been up to, Kelsey? <laughs> You can call me Fireball. I like <laughs> okay, it better. Okay. All right. We've been up to Fireball. Um, uh, so I'm doing the cabbage soup diet this week. What Super is that? fun, yeah. 
It's it's a, like a vegetable soup that you eat as much as you want, and then each day there's like a different thing. So today I could eat as many vegetables I want plus the soup. Oh. Yeah, yesterday I could have as much fruit as I wanted plus the soup. Mm-hmm. I will never. Is there, is there a day you can eat as many Oreos yeah. as you wish? <laughs> no. Oh, is there any fruit packs? <laughs> oh my god, no. fruit pack. I love those fruit packs. And obviously Taylor ham egg and cheese sandwiches. <laughs> oh, so didn't you fire one down? Yeah. Oh yeah. Her and Erin started diet stand. I was like, hey guys, we're getting Taylor and Megan Jesus today. And they were like, all right. Yeah, the 911 text come across. And what so are you forth. up to, Mike? Um, so oh my god, I, I keep forgetting. I I guess nothing too exciting. Oh. I nothing too exciting. Uh I'm I'm starting some crazy travel for speaking. Yeah. That's all yeah. I think. Some crazy. So I'm going to Minnesota next week, then Nebraska. Nebraska, <clears throat> Amsterdam. Uh, Georgia, Frankfurt, Frankfurt Germany, mm-hmm. Orlando, mm-hmm. all within two weeks. <laughs> it's, it's really yeah. packed in. No, so it's, it's, crazy. A, it's a lot of flying around, but I'm excited. Yeah. Um, so, you know, today we have an amazing guest coming on. Mm-hmm. His name's Grant Baldwin, and we're going to talk about speaking. You know, you can make a lot of money speaking, and you don't have to be a professional speaker. You know, you all smarmy with that. Oh, you project your voice stuff. No, anyone can be a speaker yeah. if that's what you so desire. Um, not everyone can be a great speaker though, let's be honest. Um, but first I want to thank our corporate partners. Corporate partners. Who make this show a reality. Next. And, oh, and I want to do shout outs too, but first let's thank our corporate partners. Okay, who are they? Nextiva. Mm-hmm. Fundera. Yes. Funbox. Duh. Receiving. Oh. Zero. Yes. Shut up! Yes. Shut up! All of them. We'll thank them in their entirety. We should really start planting them into the show. Mm. Can I, can I re- give you that responsibility? Kelsey? Okay. Yeah. Just as we're going along, like innocuously, just drop mm. it in. Conspicu- inconspicuously. Inconspicuously. Innocuous. Innocuous. Is that the right word? Innocuous is like kind of innocent and yeah, yeah, benign. Yeah, you know. Like, you know. So kind of. That sounds like zero. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. Um, okay. Yes. Who, what shout outs do we have today? I also have two shout outs again this week. Okay. Um, first one comes in from Bavesh. Uh, he emails in and he says, Profit First is brilliant and parallels my business journey. He went through a lot of crap. His dad died um, as soon like as soon as he left the funeral, they got caught in an earthquake. Then he found out he was losing his business uh, and it just found out he was just going to be penniless. And he said it was quite a journey. But he said that made him realize how bloody important profit was um, and Thank that you, there Bavesh. were always people with their hands out to take money and he would not grow until he paid himself first. So today he runs a well-established consultancy practice, 15 years old. And um, he says through implementing uh, some vague sort of profit first principles, I have 13 bank accounts of various headers. Um, And he just says that profit first is doing wonders. And he says, please accept my big thank you. So, Babesh, good job, Thank man. you. In your honor, I had Indian food last night. I had lamb sock. It's the best. Just for you. I told you, non-bread and a little kinnear. Oh, my God. Um, thanks, Babesh. Who else you got? Yeah, and then I also got an email in from Roberts from the Philippines. He said he's running a food distribution business and has been living check to check these past five years. Now he's committed to profitability. He will do what it is that Mike teaches him to do in the next few chapters to achieve his goal. So, Keep going, Robert. You got this. Go for it, Robert. Happy to have you as a, as a fan, and uh, congratulations on, on, on significant progress forward. Yeah. All right. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Any member shout out? Yeah. Or are we good? I have a member shout out, another bottle of wine. This is a Cabernet. <laughs> um, this is from Connie Jaycock. She's one of our mastery members. And uh, she sent this bottle of wine in saying that she's breaking through her fear and reaching out to influences in her niche. Yay, niche. Is it niche or niche? 
What's I call, the correct I pronounce way? it niche. Niche? Because it rhymes with rich, right? Rich is in the niches. Oh, I like it. But, I like but that. But I think, I don't know. Is there a pro- proper pronunciation? I don't know. I think it's huh. one of those, you know, yeah. you say tomato, tomato I say tomato. tomato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who well, says tomato? I know. <laughs> right? No one says tomato. Well, I say potato all the time. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Plus the potatoes, please. Not the mashed potatoes. <laughs> oh, man. His name is Grant Baldwin. He is the creator of of the booked and paid to speak training program. So he's a nationally known keynote speaker and author. His podcast and training site, the speaker lab provides weekly training to speakers at all levels of their business. Uh, and as a speaker, Grant has given hundreds of presentations and has spoken to somewhat over 400,000 people in 45 different States. I want to add the word of mind in 45 different states of mind. Some of them were high. Some of them were, um, that's not funny at all. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, at least I didn't say Kegels this episode. His book and curriculum. just did. Oh, that's a good point. His book and curriculum for students, Reality Check, is taught in 400 schools around the country. That's what blew me away. And now we're about to learn how you can be an impactful and profitable speaker. Grant, welcome to the show. What's up? How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm not too shabby. I've uh, been learning about puppies and manicures and nails and cabbage <laughs> soup. And so I feel uh, feel pretty good about life right yeah, now. Yeah, you gave uh, us a little scare. We nice. thought we were dead. Well, yeah, we thought we lost you. Uh, we well, did. I, was, I was tuning in and all of a sudden like the audio cut. I don't I don't know. With technical joys, uh, but we're, we're back. We're here. We're, we're yeah, good. we're totally good. So tell me about being a speaker. I mean, it sounds like that is the hardest business to be in. Don't most people who want to be speakers and try to become speakers actually fail at it and, and never become impactful nor profitable? Well, you ask a bunch of questions there. And there's that, uh, that old Seinfeld adage or, or bit that he does about, you know, that that public speaking is a greater fear than death. And so in the in a funeral setting, most people would rather be in the, the casket than delivering the eulogy. And so, yeah, speaking is one of those unique things in the world that most people are terrified by. But it's also uh, an extremely exciting, thrilling opportunity to really make an impact, and really make a difference in, in the lives of people. I know, Mike, you and I have both experienced that with people who uh, may be in an audience and have heard something that we we've shared, uh, you know, personally or professionally that impacts their life in some way. Uh, and so, yeah, speaking, speaking is a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, uh, but it can be extremely rewarding, um, both in impact and in terms of, of just, uh, financially as well. So let's talk about if it's a lot of work, what's the work you need to do to be an effective speaker? Well, I think one of the misconceptions about speaking is that the best speakers in the world, the people that, that we've all seen, that we look up to, that we admire, we respect, they think they're um, that we think they're amazing speakers, we think that they just get up and just wing it, like they just shoot from the hip, or they're just making it up on the fly. And the reality is, is like that's just not the case. Like the, the mm-hmm. best speakers on the planet spend hours and hours and hours practicing, rehearsing, going over their material, practicing uh, jokes, uh, delivering uh, one-liners and stories and punchlines and all those different things. They bomb a bunch of times times before you ever see them where they deliver a really great presentation. So there's just a, there's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes. So Mike, I know like you and I both have, we've spent a lot of time uh, pacing around hotel rooms, just talking to ourselves or uh, <laughs> backstage uh, at a conference or an event, just pacing back and forth, just going over it time and time and time again. So that by the time we get up to deliver and present in front of an audience, we feel polished, we feel ready and we, we are, we're ready to go on and deliver. So you say we spend a lot of time rehearsing, which I 100% agree. Um, but you know, where where can you bomb uh, and still get by with it, and then have that breakout success? And, and what I'm saying is, you know, on TV you see a comedian or some of these presenters speak, and they nail the whole thing. If they bombed at one point, it couldn't be in the hotel room. How would they know they're bombing? So how how do you get that practice under your belt? 
There is a great um, documentary. I don't know if you've seen it. It's actually with Seinfeld um, called Comedian. Have you seen that? No, no, I have to see it. Mm. Oh, you've got to see that. Just just go pick it up on Amazon. It's phenomenal. But basically what it is, is it, is it follows Jerry Seinfeld after the show Seinfeld had ended. Now, Seinfeld, is we think of him as the, the comedian, but uh, he really has done stand-up for years and years and years, long before the show and long since the show. And so it follows him after the show is over. And so you think of of Seinfeld, again, as this, this bigwig comedian and actor. Uh, and so it's showing him going up in these little tiny clubs and he's doing material. And it's just not funny at all. Like, he's <laughs> Mm-hmm. And really? it's painful to watch at times. Uh, but you think like, oh, no, he's Seinfeld. Everything he comes up with is funny. And that's just not the case. It's a really great behind the scenes look at really uh, almost uh, like how the sausage is made. You know, so whenever whenever you are, are sitting down to work on a talk or a joke or a story, it's really an educated guess until you get mm-hmm. in front of an audience. I think this is funny. I think this is going to connect. I think this is going to relate. But I really don't know until I'm up in front of them of an audience. So whenever you get up in front of an audience to speak, you may, you're going to give it your best of what you think is going to work, but, uh, but you'll get immediate reaction on this worked or that didn't work and you'll know what to improve next time. And so one, another misconception with speaking is that, that every time you speak, you're supposed to do a brand new talk. And that's just not the case. The, mm. the best speakers in the world, they have like one, two, maybe three talks that they do. Like Mike, how many, how many talks do you do? Three. Literally three. Three. So three. And that's basically it. And so each time you give that talk, you're going to get a little closer to, okay, Mm. this worked, this worked, this worked, that didn't work. That story just didn't connect with this audience. Does that, is is it that story not been connecting with other audiences? Do I need to change something? Do I need to tweak something? And so each time you present, you get that live feedback right in the moment there of this works or this doesn't work. And you know how to improve for the the next presentation. Uh, Do you suggest like kind of doing a practice round for like a practice audience, like of your family members or something like that? Like, is that like in theater, you do a dress rehearsal in front of like a senior community or something like that. Is that a good way to go or does that not even matter because each audience is different? Yeah, I think uh, I don't. I, I wouldn't put a ton of stock in it. In mm. part that if I have a uh, a group of of you know my mom and her friends, they're going to be a little biased that everything I say is wonderful, and mm. that just doesn't mm. help me at all. Uh, I want to get like some honest raw feedback. So I'd prefer to be in an audience that like they have no idea who I am, and I have to I have to win them over because that's going to be a more authentic, genuine right. um, type of setting. So I would prefer that type of of setting um, to something that's a little more um, you know. Somewhat fake put together and people giving you, you know, feedback that isn't that may not be, you know, super helpful. Right. If I can add some feedback just from my own experience, Christina, I would suggest uh, doing from a senior community because if no one dies during your performance, you know, <laughs> you know you're doing okay. But <laughs> how do you talking about moral humor? Folks. How do you know, Grant, when when to use humor, not to use humor? Should everyone be a jokester up there? No, I think a lot of it just depends on your personality. Like uh, humor really, really, really works well, mm. but don't force it if you're, you, know, you don't have to be a comedian. You don't have to be uh, a joke teller at all. So sometimes we think that it's like an all or nothing thing, but for someone that, that gives a very serious um, talk, it can be a very engaging talk depending on their presentation style and they can throw in a one liner here or there and it can be really funny, you know, just because you, you weren't expecting it or you didn't see it coming. Another simple tip for any speakers is 
that uh, slides can work really, really well for humor. Now, I personally, I'm not, I don't use slides when I present. I'm not a big fan of them. But if someone wants to present with slides and they, they, you want to use them, then slides can work really, really well for humor in that you may show a funny video or show a funny picture. And it's really, it's not you having to come up with a joke or come up with something humorous. It's just you literally pushing a button to show something. And that's, that connects with something that you're talking about or sharing. Uh, and that the, the slide itself, the picture or the, the video could be the humor without you having to feel the need to, to come up with something that's funny. Do you have a general structure that speakers should follow? You know, there, there's a saying, make them laugh. Oh, tell them we're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. Is there some kind of structure that you can give us uh, for a good presentation? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the well, I think I'll give you a couple thoughts. One is I don't think there's any rules in that speaking. You have to do it this way. You have to have three points. You have to have a story. You have to, mm. you know, have an intro. And out. you don't, you, you can, you can, you don't have to follow this certain rhyme or reason. Now, having said that, there is, you know, some general frameworks and some general structures that people f- tend to follow because that works, and that's somewhat of what what audiences are used to. So, for me personally, I like to have an intro and outro. I usually do three points. Within each point, I'm usually Usually, I'll tell the point. I will expand on the point a little bit. I will tell some relatable story, uh, and then I will. I, a lot of times, when it comes to stories, I like to use first-person stories, stories that have actually happened to me. I don't think there's anything wrong, depending on the context of, of telling some third person. You know, let me tell you about the story of of you know so and so who invented this thing many years ago, or you know, here's what Apple's doing, and here's how this relates to your industry. You can do that, but I, I think oftentimes first-person stories and first-person experiences are going to be a lot more relatable. Uh, so a lot of times, sharing some type of story story or anecdote. And then uh, bringing it back within each point of uh, now what? How does this actually apply? And I think from an audience perspective, whenever a, a speaker is working on a talk, the audience is always asking themselves two questions. So what? And now what? So mm. what? And now what? So what? Meaning like, that's great. That's a cute talk. But why does that matter to me? You know, like we, I think we've all <laughs> been through talks or sat through a lecture or something. And by the end of it, you're just kind of like, what does that have to do with me? Like, what was the point of that talk? So, so what? And now what? What do you, what do you want me to do as a result of it? Because you know, if you listen to a talk and you just think, well, that was cute. That was fun. And you know, it was a distraction for an hour or something, but you don't really do anything with it. Like even this podcast, if, if people listen to this, <laughs> but they don't take action on it or do, don't do something different as a result of it. Like, well, what's the point? You know, like, so uh, I hope in Come anything on, that people are, are learning that they do something with it. Right. Uh, and maybe in the context of, of this, it maybe just like, you know, it just, it, it put a smile on my, on my face for the day and it made the day, you know, a, a little better, but having some type of result as a, as a, um, or some type of outcome as a result of the talk, I think is really important. So now let's talk about the profitable side. I want to be a profitable speaker. How do I make money speaking? Well, the, uh, there, there's a lot of ways to make money. I think there, there's actually another kind of misconception is whenever you go speak that either you got a check or you didn't. And that was kind of the end of the transaction. Mm-hmm. And another thing is that sometimes there's this misconception that uh, speaking for free um, is a bad thing. A lot of it depends on how you want to use speaking in your business. Meaning there are plenty of speakers. Um, Mike, you and I would be these speakers who we go speak, we collect a check. And that, that's kind of the basis of the transaction. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of speakers. I know I'll give you 
you a quick example. There's a student that we've worked with um, and he speaks for free. That's all he does is he speaks for free, but he uses it as lead generation for his coaching business. Mm -hmm. So last year, actually, he generated $372,000 in coaching business from speaking for free. So on paper, you're like, ah, he speaks for free. It doesn't really count. But in reality, like it's generating a multiple six-figure business in other ways. So speaking can be used in a lot of different ways. I, I personally, I've had some events where, and Mike, maybe you've experienced the same, where I would go speak and I was willing to take a lower fee knowing that I was going to make it up in, um, in product sales or book sales, that the event was going to buy so many books or that the, uh, I knew that the attendees were going to buy a certain percentage of books. And so I just knew like that event makes sense to do because I'm going to make it up in other ways. There's some events where it may make sense to, to go speak out for free or for a discounted rate because you know of who's in the room. You know, sometimes there's um, uh, people like event planners and event organizers will say, mm. well, you know, come come speak at our event for free or for a discount because of exposure. And 95% of the time, like that's just baloney. But there yeah. are times where that's true. That actually is accurate. And I think for you as a speaker, you need to know when that makes sense for you because there's certain events that you may go do and you may speak at uh, and you do that one event and you can you can directly point back to 20, 30, 50, $100,000 worth of business that came from that one event. So again, the point being is like, there's no right or wrong way to do it and that you have to do X number of gigs per year to be, you know, uh, considered a speaker. There's a lot of ways that speaking can be used in, in business. You know, I can testify to that in regards to, um, the exposure part. I did a lot when I started out speaking, I was doing a lot of free speaking and you know, the, the argument that event planners would have would be, Oh, you'll meet so many people. You'll nothing ever came out of it. Nothing. But, um, now I rarely do it, but I did it once recently. I don't know if, if Kelsey, you helped me line it up, but it was for, it was in Cleveland with, uh, uh, Jonathan Slane and I did an event mm. down there. It was all these event planners. I got, I think five or six engagements out of it. The, yeah. the Minnesota, Nebraska, uh, now maybe Mexico just called yesterday. Yeah. Um, so I'm speaking all over because of that. Grant, um, you know, how do I even figure out if I'm the guy who's going to work for a check, how do I know what to charge a client for my speaking? Yeah, yeah, it's a, that's a tough question because there's a, there's a lot of variables that go into it. So one variable is going to be what industry are you speaking in? Meaning that uh, sometimes when people are getting started with speaking, they say, "Well, I just want to be a speaker, and I'll just I'll speak to anybody and everybody and whoever." Like that's a that's a horrible answer. Would never recommend that. So um, you want to be really really clear about who you want to speak to. And in speaking, there's a lot of different industries. So you have uh, high school students, college students, education, uh, parents, teachers, government, military. Um, associations, corporations, I mean, all nonprofits, churches, faith-based. I mean, there's just a lot of potential industries that hire speakers and there's going to be a huge range depending on the industry, meaning that you can charge more speaking to college students than high school students. You can charge more speaking to corporations and associations relative to, uh, let's say, nonprofits. So a lot of it depends on the industry. Another big variable is going to depend on uh, your experience level. I mean, if you're a brand new speaker, you're typically not going to be able to charge as much as someone who's been doing this for, for 10 or 20 years. Uh, and then the other factor would be uh, your marketing materials. There's two big things that speakers need. One's a website and one is a, a demo video. They're really, really important, for especially for getting paid. Mm. And so if you don't have those in place, or if you have them in place, like whether we like it or not, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, like in the world we live in, people judge books by their cover. Mm-hmm. And so if, if, if people look at your website uh, and your website sucks and it looks like your demo video was just thrown together, 
people are going to assume that you suck as a speaker. Now, that may not be fair. That may not be accurate. But that just means that your materials need to look sharp and they need to look presentable. So having said all of that, it's just kind of like a, a precursor. Um, most new speakers who are getting started are going to be able to charge somewhere in the range of, of one to 5,000 uh, is usually a, a ballpark there. And again, there's, there's a lot of variables, but usually anywhere from 1,000 to 5,000 is a, a decent starting point. That's not bad. You know, it's funny. I uh, when when you make a thousand dollars or something to speak when you're starting out, it sounds like you're making so much money. Like I only spoke for <laughs> I make a thousand dollars an hour. People say it's like, well, hold on. As grand said, you had to rehearse for all this yeah. time. You had to travel to get there, travel to get back. Uh, you were at the event for probably half a day, so you ended up making like twenty five dollars an hour. It yeah. sounds so yeah. impressive. Right. At what point can you start charging or you know including in your price like travel and? you know, hotel, like when, how do you know when to take that next step? Or, or do you feel like you're being too greedy? Like, how do you make that transition of, okay, no, this is what I'm doing for a living. This is how I need to charge and what I need to charge. <laughs> I give right. a whip sound for that. Right. <laughs> sound effects are everything. Yeah, amazing. Uh, you know, I think you can, I think you can absolutely charge travel right out of the gate. There's, there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that because the nature of tra uh, nature of speaking is you, you have to get on a plane, you have to get in a car, you have to go somewhere. Right. And so there's a certain uh, level of expense that comes along with you showing up to speak at you know their event. So there's two ways to handle travel. Uh, one is to do uh, to build travel separately, meaning I go speak, my fee is X, and then uh, I, I keep track of all the receipts and I just bill you and invoice you for travel separately. So that's one option. Uh, I think the simpler, better option is just to do an all-inclusive, meaning it's just basically one flat fee. Here's my speaking fee. It includes all my travel. I'm going to take care of everything. It's a heck of a lot simpler for you as a speaker. It's a heck of a lot simpler and cleaner for the client. But yeah, absolutely. There's there's absolutely nothing wrong with with charging for uh, for travel out of the gate. Now, having said that, especially for new speakers, it's good to look at more local events. So I would recommend that you look anything within like a, a two, three hour driving distance or even whatever whatever's comfortable for you that they don't have some big budget. They, maybe they can't afford to pay someone to fly halfway across the country, but man, they would love to have someone who could still deliver a, a solid uh, presentation for them that lives you know, in a two hour radius. So I would start by looking at some local things that still would require some travel for you to get there, but it's not going to be you know, the, the, you know, as, as much as, as someone traveling a you know, significant distance. That flat rate suggestion, I love it. I wish I implemented that earlier. We just started yeah. doing this year, I think. Recently, right? yeah. Yeah. And what it, this makes things so much easier. Uh, you know, Grant, I was at an event. Uh, you mentioned, you know, speaking of high school students. Literally, I had to go to a parents' conference. It was like eight or nine o'clock at night. It was a rainy night. Everyone's coming home from work. It was a Thursday night. Everyone's exhausted. And it was about, I don't know, safety or some safety program. Hmm. The guy, it was a, he comes with his little boom box. There's maybe 50 parents in this auditorium. He turns it up and it, it's like, I had the tiger type music. He's like, come on, I want to hear the energy. <laughs> oh, come God. on, parents, <laughs> let's do this. And it was such a disaster from the get-go. Oh, man. <laughs> I felt so bad for him. Um, what, and the pit stains, he had like the yellow oh. pit stains. What yes. Are, yes. With the one clip-on tie. What are the things we but should? He made an impression. He made an impression. Yeah, I'll never forget this <laughs> yeah. guy. Come on, parents. What are the things we should avoid, Grant, in doing? Um, 
Well, I think I think it's important for speakers to match the energy of the room. Okay, so for example, mm. if 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 you're speaking to an audience of five thousand people, you're going to speak to that audience very very differently than if you're speaking to a group of ten people. And so you need to make sure, even if if you know if the the four of us are at lunch, the way we're going to have a conversation is very different than how Mike or I would communicate from stage. Well, you and so I, I both think you be have hyper. To... We both be talking like this. <laughs> hey, love to tell you what's going on. Hey, love to tell you what's up. Who's yeah. happy to be here for lunch I'm today? Happy. How are you? <laughs> Dude, we'd be great like co-hosts for like some cheesy radio show, but yeah, it was just like, but in a small setting, like that just doesn't work. Like right. that doesn't that doesn't make sense. So I think it's really important for a speaker to be aware of the environment, and again, make sure that your your energy is matching that environment. I think it's also really important for for a speaker to uh, to do what they can within the environment to. Uh, to create a better environment. And here's what I mean by that. There, Mike, you've probably had experiences like this where um, you go speak in a venue and a vin- the venue is way too big for the audience. Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll give you an example. A couple years ago, I spoke uh, at a conference and I, I gave a keynote for 2,000 people. And then right afterwards, they wanted me to do a workshop in the same room for about mm. 50 people. Oh, well, 2,000 people in a 2,000 seat room or so is great. It's perfect. It's exactly what you want. But 50 people in a 2,000 seat room just feels empty. So mm. if you let 50 people spread out over 2,000 seats, it's a disaster. It's really, really bad. And so what I want to do in that situation is I want the room to feel as small as possible. So I want those 50 people to come up to the front and I want to create a small, tight, intimate type of environment there. So I think it's just important for a speaker to be aware mm. of not only their energy, but also the environment to make sure that uh, that the, the audience has the, the best possible experience. What if you go after that amazing speaker? I mean, the, the person just crushes it. What, do you do anything with your speech to leverage that momentum or anything you can do to uh, to improve your position as a speaker? No, I, I, not specifically, to be honest with you. Um, and it, some of it depends on the the conference and the, the setting. There's not, I don't know about, Mike, what your experience is, but most conferences I've spoke at, they don't like stack up speakers back to back to back. So yeah. it may be the type of thing where Mike, you, you open on, on Tuesday morning and I don't speak till Wednesday afternoon or something. So it may be, there may be some big gaps there. I think if possible to see what other speakers are talking about, even if you're, even if you can just reference it and just call it out and be like, Hey, earlier Mike was talking about this and here's how this also, you're just connecting the dots between someone else's talk uh, and your own. You also, sometimes it's helpful to, as a speaker to watch, other speakers speak in the same setting or environment to just get a feel for the audience. Uh, Cause like we were talking about, every audience is different. Every dynamic is different. Every room is different. So it's helpful just to kind of from an audience perspective to see did what the previous speaker talked about, did that work? Did that resonate? They told this joke and that didn't work or the audience seems really excited or they seem totally bummed out or dead, or you're just trying to get a sense of that before you speak. Uh, and so I think sometimes watching some other speakers uh, in, in the same setting can be helpful for that. If you have like a specific product that you're promoting, do you suggest, I mean, is there a specific way that you should kind of be selling from the stage? You do, Cause you don't want to sound like you're pitching them, but like, is right. there a certain way to do it without sounding cheesy? Hmm. Yeah, I think there's a few things you can do. One is I think you definitely want to get permission from the client up front. Like yeah. at the end of the day, they are paying you, you know, a significant amount of money to come in and present. They're not coming to, to they're not paying you to come in and sell something. So just getting their permission, uh, I think is really, really important. And in fact, I, I do that a couple of ways. Like I'll mention that up front in our, in our, in our conversations. Hey, is it okay? Uh, if I bring my book and I mention that mm. I will, we will include it in the contract. And then we will do a pre-event call with the client, like two to three weeks before the event 
content. I'll mention it again in that call. Hey, I just want to double check. Are you still cool if I, if I bring the book and mention it? Because remember, like they're inviting me onto their turf. Right. So I want to make sure that I, uh, I keep a good I keep a good connection and relationship with that client. So then from when assuming everything's good there and most clients are pretty good with that. And if they're not like, be respectful of that. Like don't right. try mm-hmm. to, well, if I can sneak it in, you know, I'm a speaker, I can do whatever I want. Like, don't do that. That's not cool. Um, but I would say once you're on stage, there's a, a few things you can do. You can do it kind of, uh, passively in terms of, you know, talking about something, teaching something and mentioning, you know, in my, you know, in my book, I, I talk, I gave you five different ideas on how you can put profit first in your business, but there's actually, there's three more that we cover in the book and just kind of like giving some type of tease or some type of reference. You can also do a, um, uh, in fact, there's a buddy of mine who he would do this. He would tell a bunch of stories and he would tell the story and kind of like tease the story. And the and he would actually pull out his book. He would read the story from his book, but he wouldn't finish the story. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to, if you want to hear the end of the story, Love you got to pick up the book. And it was a, it was a great story that left you going like, oh, yeah. I got to know how that story ends. <laughs> and he'd literally read it verbatim out of the book, you know? Um, so you could do something like that. And I think if you're going to pitch it or you're going to offer something, a lot of times, depending on what you're pitching, needs to be in alignment with the the price and the value. Meaning mm-hmm. if I'm pitching up, you know, a $20 book, I'm probably going to spend, you know, 45 or 60 seconds at the end mentioning it. I'm not going to go on for five or 10 minutes about it. Now, if it's something where, you know, I've given a, um, a full day seminar and at the end I'm offering some, you know, high end coaching or consulting package, I might spend some more time on it because it's, it is in alignment with the amount of time I've spent with the audience and, and in alignment with, um, the price of the value of what the thing is that I'm offering. But for most speakers, if you're doing, let's say a 45 or 60 minute talk and you want to mention the book at the end, I think that's totally fine. Do it in 30 or 60 seconds. Because uh, again, you, you we've, we've all been in audiences where you're, it's just kind of like the speaker was okay, but it just felt like they were like just pitching us their yeah. thing the whole time. Oh, and like that yeah. just leaves like a slimy, yeah, it just leaves a bad taste in the audience's mouth. And you just, no. you don't want to do that for the audience <laughs> or for the client. Yeah. What about attire? This is something I, I've seen some presenters go up there with a wrinkled suit and stuff. No. And yes. Yeah, exactly. That first impression is such a big impression. What suggestions do you have? Should you have a unique costume so to speak Michael Gerber always wears that like he's like a pimp or something outfit uh, it's bizarre <laughs> does, right. Right, you know what I'm talking about but like, I've seen some, some speakers always have a costume what's your recommendations about that physical presentation of yourself yeah. I, again, I don't know that there's any hard and fast rules that you have to follow. Every speaker is different. There's some speakers, Mike, you and I know who they, you know, they wear black jeans and a black polo shirt and they wear the same thing every mm-hmm. single time, regardless of the environment. I personally, I try to figure out what's the audience going to be wearing and probably try to match that. Uh, whereas I know some speakers who it doesn't matter who I'm speaking to, I'm going to be wearing a, a suit and tie and that's just their preference, you know? So I think a, a lot of it depends on the speaker in terms of what you're comfortable in and what you, I don't personally, I don't like wearing a suit and tie. I, I, that just feels stuffy. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather, I would rather be more business casual. So I want to make sure that I'm matching the environment, but at the same time that I'm, I'm doing something comfortable. So if, if, if I'm talking with a client and they're like everybody in there in this corporate setting is going to be a suit and tie, then I'm going to be wearing a suit and tie. But if they say, Hey, it's more business casual and you know, there's going to be a lot of the audience in jeans, then I'm going to wear jeans. So I think again, some of it comes down to, to personal preference there. So we, we got to start wrapping up in a second, but I do have one more question about a startup speaker. If I'm just trying in this business, I want to be a profitable speaker. How do I get that very first paid gig? 
Yeah, I think uh, the first two things that you really need to do is you got to get really, really clear on who you want to speak to and what is the problem that you're going to solve. Like one thing I hear from a lot of those new speakers who are getting started is they say something like, you know, I have a really cool story. I have something that I've experienced, something that I've overcome, some type of obstacle. And that's great. And not to diminish or or demean that in any way, but nobody cares about your story. Like people want to know how is what you're talking about going to solve my problem? So you have to be really, really clear as a speaker of who is it that you want to speak to and what is the very specific problem that you are going to solve for them. So once you get clear on that, then you can begin to look for potential opportunities. So uh, I would, I recommend that you start by looking for an events that are looking for events, conferences, groups, associations that are already hiring speakers. It is so much simpler to get hired by groups and organizations that are already looking for speakers rather than trying to convince an organization that not only that they need to hire a speaker, but they need to hire you mm-hmm. as that speaker. Like that's a pain in the butt. So take like conferences, for example. One of the nice things about the conference space is that, uh, you know, if, they're, if it's an annual conference, every single year they are going to be looking for a speaker. You don't have to convince them to hire a speaker. They're already planning on it. You just have to find conferences and events that you are the right fit for. So I would recommend that you you start there. And once you're, again, once you're clear on who you want to speak to, what's the problem that you can solve, begin looking for where do those people gather. So let's just say, for example, um, you want to, you're a former realtor and you want to speak to other real estate agents. You've got some really cool social media strategy that helps realtors sell more houses. Okay. Then the question would be, where do real estate agents gather? What are the conferences, the events, the associations? You can begin reaching out to them and saying, Hey, I, you know, I, I was a realtor. Uh, here's what I speak on. Here's the problem that I can solve. Here's how I can help your audience. Um, you know, if you're interested, let me know something along those lines, rather than, um, I see that you have a, a conference for realtors. Um, I have a really cool story about selling a house one time. Do you want me to come <laughs> tell it? Like nobody wants to hear just a cool story. Um, even if it's inspiring or motivating, like they want to know again, at the end of the day, how does that, that talk, that presentation solve the problem for their audience? Grant, I want literally everyone listening to the show to go through your training, your speaking training, because I think, listen, you can be a professional speaker like you and I are, or you can do that one sales pitch, but you've got to deliver an amazing speech. So if people are interested in that, where can they go to learn more about you and your speaker lab? Yeah, we got a couple places to go. If people want to hear more in depth of kind of what we've been talking about in terms of the nuts and bolts of finding and booking paid speaking engagements, uh, I definitely recommend people check out freespeakerworkshop.com, freespeakerworkshop.com. Uh, and if people are looking for some uh, additional resources, check out thespeakerlab.com. We got the podcast blog, a bunch of free resources there. People can kind of browse around and uh, get lost in uh, all that we got there. Grant, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, man. Yeah, this is good stuff. Thanks, man. guys. Thanks, Appreciate Grant. you. Let me uh, hang out with you. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. All right, we'll catch you a little bit. You know, could you imagine me and Grant at lunch? It would be like that. Yeah, so what are you doing? Everything's Yeah, the energy. I think he's. He, I think he's got a little bit more than I do. No, I think a little bit more. No, no, you think? No, I think you guys are pretty. We go toe to toe. Yeah, I'd love to hang out with him. Don't underestimate your energy. <laughs> Do <not. laughs> Don't get all self conscious on it. I am very self conscious. Isn't it interesting? Are you really? No, I think I think what I'm doing is I'm just looking for you to say great things about me. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I feel so. And you're like, no, you're you want great. Validation. I'm like, yeah, I'm looking to, every episode. I would stop <laughs> listening to the Profit First podcast here in this whiner here because the dynamic has shifted. We went from two men and a woman. To it's now really two shifted. Men and the bullies. You're yeah. the bully. You guys are bullies. You guys are bullies. Do you cry at night? And I'm fireball, sorry. the least expected. You're the bully. You're like the bully she's leader. The bully. Yeah, she's like, oh, oh Christine, why don't you go punch him in the face? Um. 
All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to summarize what we learned from Grant. Yep. We are going to talk about our corporate partners first. Of course. And we're going to, oh, we're going to listen to Erica Wernick's oh, update. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm excited. Now, Bully, yeah. I didn't hear you. <laughs> I, I go, hey, why don't you say something? Worst nickname ever. <laughs> You're not a fireball. You're a fire bully. Um, I'm like, why don't you drop in like one of our sponsors throughout? Oh. And I'm like, hey. I thought that was like and you did this, And you started doing a fisherman. <laughs> what was that all about? I thought you were... I thought you were asking if I had a question, and I had one, but it was going to be a really long answer, so I didn't, oh. you know, it was kind of late in the show. I, I signaled to you to talk, and you're like, fisherman story. We're going to work on our telepathy. Yeah, you're like, wow, the fish was like 15 feet long. Okay. Um, so since you didn't do that, Bully, we will do it right now. Who, why don't you say our corporate partners, and Christine and I will explain who they are. Okay, great. Um, first one is Zero. Uh, who's getting, you know, we both got eyed I guess it's to me. You got eyed up first, and I got eyed up second. Zero is cloud accounting software. It's from mm-hmm. the cloud up. We've been users for of Zero for two years. Our bookkeeper actually doesn't support Zero. They're our new bookkeeper, so we had to move to QuickBooks. Mm-hmm. But Zero was a phenomenal experience. Mm. So we have experience with it. We like it. Zero. Okay, yeah. Who else you got? How about Nextiva? Nextiva Voice Over IP, the best phone <clears throat> system for businesses ever. And very affordable. Very. Yeah. We, we have got, so many phones. Like, I can't, we probably we, ordered like 20 phones. We got to settle down. I saw two more arrive today. Yeah. yeah. We haven't hired anyone and we got two more phones. <laughs> like, we got to settle Home down. offices and they do the simultaneous ring. And I have like internet issues at home. So it forwards to my cell phone if I can't oh answer my God. it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's super yeah. cool. My business Next Eva. Next Eva. Get it. It's okay, awesome. Mike. What about Fundabox? Oh my God, I can't remember. Oh, <laughs> Funbox. Yes, Funbox is a cash flow accelerator. That's what they call themselves. Yeah. Oh. So you have that jewelry business of mm-hmm. yours. There was one client I know that took time to pay you. It was us. <laughs> I don't know what was going on there. Like that wasn't like intentional, but it took us like part a, of it was me. I was waiting to make sure everybody was satisfied. So okay, yeah. you guys invoice late, but it still took us like two weeks to pay after invoices. Three mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, you're doing the old stretch. You're like four, uh-huh. five. <laughs> you could have said, you know what. I work for these guys, so I can't get too much in their face, but I need that cash. You could have called Fundbox. They released the funds to you, and then when we paid you, you could return the funds to Fundbox. So it's a cash flow accelerator in that way. Yeah, mm. it's awesome. I'm mm. still sorry that we took a little while to pay. I don't yeah, understand. I wish I knew that then. Yeah, no, no, you've never done that. You've never done the party. <laughs> Who else you got? Oh, um... Fundera. Oh my God. Fundera, one-stop shopping for business loans. You need a loan. You don't know who to tune to, tune to, <laughs> or where to go. Fundera does it for you. You say, "Hey, I need money. This is how much I need. Find me somebody," and they come back to you in like what? Not even twenty-four hours, and they're like, "Hey, here's like six loans that are great for you. We think you should go with this one." Podfly, our, our host, I mean, our, our producer for the show, Podfly, Ryan's producing it, but I thought Corey was going to hop on today. He used Pod, uh, Fundera, yeah, Fundera, Fundera to get a loan and they developed some software. Yeah, it's um, awesome. It, yeah. And then the last one? Last but not least, Receipt Bank. Receipt Bank. Like that software a lot. So a lot. it's a scanner you put on your phone and you can scan in any document actually. So it's a document management system um, for your business, but receipts tie right into QuickBooks or Zero or any platform you use. Uh, it's just a big efficiency tool is what it boils down to. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, awesome. What did you learn today, Mike? What did you... Hold on. Here it is. <laughs> what did you learn today? Learn today? Oh. <laughs> I learned... Um, have a great demo video. Yeah. Update your website, yeah. first impression. Um, I learned... <laughs> So what's uh, now what? I thought that was a great oh, little yes. thing. So yeah, what now what? That's a great way to start. Over there. <laughs> uh, match the energy of the room. I've never heard a, um, anyone say that. Yeah. Like 
I've heard these speakers say, like that high school person was a perfect example. He didn't gauge the room at all. He just yeah. came in, pit stains and all. He's like, let's get this party started. <laughs> but I like the idea. If the yeah. room's a little Do you more tend mo- to do that? A little bit. Yeah, I feel like you would. A little bit. I'm like, come on! Let's make some money! energy, yeah. But his, it was just, it was clearly his same approach every single time. It, he wasn't reading the room. Like, yeah. Like, I'll do the, come on! Come on! Like, like, I, <laughs> you see, I was reading the room there. Well, I feel like you do that in the huddle sometimes in our morning huddle. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll try to pump up the room, but I don't come in there necessarily like always jazzed. No, maybe. you know, you gotta yeah, get a you feel read the for energy. It. It's about the connection. Yeah, with the audience. Yeah, but I like when he said that too, even with attire, because I've noticed like. I don't like watching speakers who are all bundled up in suit and tie. Like if you're up there in jeans and a t-shirt, like I'm going to feel more comfortable See, I'm kind listening of the to what you have to say. I don't like when they're too like schlubby. Really? Yeah. Well, you know? schlubby or like too like trying to be cool. Yeah, there's yeah. a difference. That's what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, schlubby I don't like. Schlubby is Because I schlubs. feel like you're presenting as, you know, a professional in some way. Yeah. Mm. I like that he also said, get clear on what problem you want to solve. Don't just go up there and talk to people because you yeah. have a great story. You need to know you, they need to know how, what you're saying applies to them. That's like probably, Oh, of course. Yeah. There's no question about it. Yeah. No, it's funny. So as a speaker at the, after you speak at the end, before the, you speak for my experience, no one talks to you. A few people after you speak, there's the lines, no. right? And so at first I'm like, oh, they really like my speech. And they're, they're, the honest truth is the speech is irrelevant. Mm. They want to share their story. Yeah. Everyone's looking to be served. And it's very selfish, I think, of a speaker to say, oh, they're here for me. No, they're here to right. improve themselves. Right, yeah. right. What'd you learn? That was my number one takeaway. Um, Don't how what you're talking about <laughs> is to solve their problem. Yeah. I, as a, you know, kind of consumer of somebody's speeches, I never thought of it that way. I thought of it. I was listening to their story, but it's totally right. It's it's how can I yeah. apply that to my life? How can I learn from it? Who's your favorite speaker that you've ever seen? Or favorite influencer, maybe an author? The first that comes to mind. Like you don't have to pick the one. You know, like the one maybe sitting right in front of you. How about you? Mike McCallowitz is amazing. <laughs> That's weird. That's weird. That's weird. What, who's your favorite speaker? I mean, obviously, I, I do enjoy watching you, but I think that, oh, the, I mean, I didn't see a lot of biz, or, uh, speakers before I started working here, but... Um, Mike Aguilero really got me like yeah. his first one at ProfitCon and he had, we did like the boards, the breaking of the boards, that like you fun. write all your insecurities and then you smash them away like that. I think stuck with everybody. Yeah. So Mike Aguilero was a guy you didn't see him yet. He spoke at ProfitCon a couple times in a row. He'll, he'll drop F bombs, S bombs <laughs> everywhere, yeah. but he can do it. And the audience resonates with it. I, I do it. Not so good. Yeah. It depends it, on the person. Yeah. It's just not, it's his vibe though, because he does the whole jeans and t-shirt, yeah. tattoos, tattoos like, everywhere. He's like, I'm a badass, and I'm going to show you how to be a badass and kick your problems to the curb. So, do you have a speaker now, or you're? you're... I mean, I really like Madeline Albright. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> I don't think she would get away with f bombs. But... <laughs> Can you imagine Madeline Albright up there? All right, so um, here's an update. I sw- I talked to uh, Erica Wernick. Yes. We interviewed her. You and I and Chris. This a is while ago. way yeah. back. She has a very small business. Uh, she made $7,000 in her business hmm. um, the first year. And she was actually embarrassed to even share her numbers. I'm doing air quotes. Share her numbers because of how small, as air quotes again, she was. And when we talked to her, size is irrelevant. It's, yeah. it's You can make even that business profitable. Here's what she shared uh, or an update just yesterday when I recorded it. 
Hello, I'm Erica Wernick from HollywoodSuccessCoach.com. And before Profit First, I had just started my online business and I had made $7,000 my very first year (laughs) in business. I was totally embarrassed to say that on air last time. And I spent $7,000. And thanks to Mike, I learned about Parkinson's Law and how this is very common for people before they start using Profit First. So after reading the book and being on the podcast and working with one of your advisors, I made it my mission to use the Profit First system. And I was able to set up all the different bank accounts. Uh, My mom, who's really great with Excel, made me this cool spreadsheet that calculates the formulas for me. So all I had to do was pop in how much income I had coming in on the 10th and the 25th, and it would tell me how much to put in each account. And I'm crazy proud to say that at the end of the first year using Profit First, I made a little over $31,000 in my business, and I only spent 39%, um, which is just so huge. And I actually only spent 30% using the bank accounts. Um, I went a little over using my credit card, my own personal money to invest a little bit more in Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. So that's the only reason that I went over. Um, But it was just mind-blowing to see the difference. And now I'm so profit first. It just feels so good to have healthy numbers and to really be on top of my numbers and to really understand exactly how my business is working and where I can spend money and how much more I need to bring in to start using other expenses that I would like to use in the future. And I'm just, I'm, I've become so obsessed with it that I tell every business friend of mine that they need to start using it immediately. Um, so yeah, so that's my update on, using Profit First and how it has helped my business. It's just been amazing. So thank you so much, Mike. Erica, so wow. proud of her. Yeah. I she, hope she's listening right now. Yeah, that. she was episode 66. So that aired uh, February of 2016. So this is a little over a year, like 80 episodes later. Yeah. And that's that's all it took. Oh. Unbelievable. And she's just getting started. And, she, and this year that she's into already, already a banner year again. Uh, um yeah, just a wonderful success story. And, and what it points to is you can have any size business. Yeah. You, you hear these numbers like uh, Grant was talking about, $372,000 booked from speaking engagements. That's a that's a nice size small business. Yeah. You don't have to have that size, though. You you can do it with 30000 right. or whatever. So And your personal finances. And your personal finances. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we got to start rocking and rolling Let's here. Let's do it. So please... Guys, I want to hear what you have to say about what we're doing over here. Comment. Give us a rating. iTunes, Stitcher, any podcast that you use. And of course, ProfitFirstPodcast.com. Mike will respond to you. We want to know what's going on in your life. We do. We're there. And uh, you know, when you when you go into your podcasters, give us a rating. Give us uh, your comments. All that stuff. We want to be having a conversation with you. And... There's one more thing we want to talk about. Ow. Ow. It's the whole reason we exist as a company. Profit First Professionals is the name of our organization. Yes, Kelsey does work here and does bust my chops every so often. Yes, Christina works here. Yes, yeah, she busts my chops every so often. Uh, and so do uh, six other of our colleagues here. Um, and we actually, a new guy, um, We have two Jackson. new interns. 
Uh, yeah, I know. I heard the oh. one intern's not coming on board. Oh, we have an intern. Oh. <laughs> Jackson's coming on board. The other one Yay. wasn't so impressed by us. I think. Oh. No, oh. no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She got you a better little job. liar. A better role. No, she's not coming. Oh. <laughs> but, so I'm confusing me. No, she's got, she got another but opportunity. She, she got a better by us, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. We have one other person coming on board. Well, we want you to join the fun here. Here's what we call fun. Having fun and being profitable. So... <laughs> We will drive profitably in your business. One of our family members will do for you what happened for Erica. Regardless of the size of your business, we will do the same for you. Now, here's what you got to do. Go to ProfitFirstProfessionals.com. Click on the Find button. Fill out the little form, form there. Uh, we will then make an introduction to one of our Profit First professionals, either an accountant, bookkeeper, or business coach, whoever's best suited for your current needs. They're all steeped in profitability. And hell yeah, they're going to make your business more profitable than ever before. Oh, yeah. All right. <clears throat> okay, yeah. so um, I think that's all I got to share. You guys, Sayonara. Good? See you later. See you until next time. See you next week.